So, Henny Marish, welcome back. You had a nice, nice visit there. You were there too at the festival. Mm-hmm. Good. So, any question tonight? Yes. Um, so I was listening to part of one of your recent lectures, um, and you were talking about um, how it's really powerful to like recite um, prayers um, by the like acharyas and the Goswamis. And I was wondering, like, I guess there's two parts to my questions. To my question, do you have uh, certain prayers that you recommend for your disciples? And then, how does that like reciting prayers? Um, of our acharyas to like composing like our own prayers to Krishna or Gaur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we discussed that the other some days back, um, a couple weeks back. Um, but I thought I gave a pretty comprehensive, conducted a pretty comprehensive discussion on on Vandanam prayers, Vandanam. But I'll try to say a few a bit more. Um, Vandanam is, of course, one of the angas of bhakti, um, enunciated by by Prahlad, Navalakshan Bhakti, and um, as such, uh, it is uh, one of the more um, powerful angas that is constitutes what uh, Deva Goswami has termed Swarup Siddha Bhakti. So that kind of bhakti, though that anga of bhakti that has uh, Inherently, the power of bhakti in it to such an extent that by contact with that, one is affected whether or not they're consciously um, and with faith engaged in bhakti. We talked the other day about many, many different types of bhakti and so forth. So, Surup Siddha Bhakti is, is one type and it's, it's, um, uh, besides the generic uh, or broader description of the nature of bhakti as being constituted of the sarup shakti and so forth, the angas of bhakti, the, the limbs of the body of bhakti, there are many, Rupa Goswami is, I think, given 64, and they pertain to the body, to the mind, to words. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you study that section carefully, you see it's about engaging the entirety of one's sadhaka deha, subtle and gross mind, body, and also we often say in the words as well, hmm. which is kind of an expression of the thoughts of the mind and and it's bodily at the, at the same time, or just an emphasis on words and on sound. It, well, obviously words could be concluded included within actions of the body, but often it's distinguished. Karmana Manasagira, for example, Divan Mukta Suchate from the Purana, cited also by Sri Rupa and Bhaktivasamrita Sindhu, whose body, mind and words are fully engaged. Jivan Mukta Suchate. Once I asked Prabhupada that if I continue distributing your books by just by itself, <laughs> will I become liberated? And he said, oh, You're already liberated. You are engaged in liberated activities full time. So, Jivan Mukta Suchate. This is a statement from the Purana that Rupa Goswami cites. It's kind of uh, a little bit in your face to the to the jnanis for whom Jivan Mukti is a, is a big thing. It's the penultimate state 
before attaining videha mukti or entering into Brahman. The karma is, is, is no longer being perpetuated and it's what remains is unwinding, if you will, playing itself out and at the point that it does so, uh, that coincides with the demise and then attainment of mukti is the idea. So the jivan mukta is a big, big deal in in Gyan, and uh, Rupa Goswami cites a verse as if to say, it's not a big thing for us. Hmm? If your body, mind, and words are engaged in Krishna service, you're already liberated, and there's just so much more to come from there. As we know, Bhaktivedanta Sindhu belittles, in a sense, liberation or minimizes it or makes small of it in comparison to uh, to Prem. Hmm? Um, so, at any rate, the Angas of Bhakti are there, and they, uh, as they're explained, there are many of them, but some of the prominent ones are explained, 64. And they, if you study it carefully, you see they pertain to the body, the mind, and speech, and the ideas that they comprehensively arrest, if you will, or, or, or take this field, as it's described in the Gita, of activity, and make the most use out of it. Uh, there's the body is the, the um, manifestation of our ignorance and our conditioning, but it, in a higher sense, in a broader sense, it's also our vehicle for um, attaining all that we could attain. It's kind of with this broader idea, in one sense, that the world is made manifest, that the jivas might have forms that they could then engage in sadhana. So, Prabhupada used to like to say you're not the body, and it's 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 true. But the, the other side of it is, you have a sadhaka deha, so you are that body, that the body you want to be. Uh, Mahaprabhu told Sanatan Goswami, who wanted to throw his body underneath the wrath uh, uh, yatra, the wrath during during the, the yatra of the wrath. Because um, he had, it had broken out, uh, with open source had broken out on it due to his travels in the Jarikanda. And so by the time he arrived at Puri, he felt that his, uh, his, his body was um, unbecoming. And um, if by chance Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would show the kind of affection that he had shown to him earlier in Banaras, when he said to Tapan Mishra, I think someone's at the door. And Sanatana had been traveling for months, having been uh, escaped from the jail, and grown long hair and beard, and and uh, for reasons, I would say, too, one, be neglectful of, uh, um, not neglectful, but somewhat oblivious to bodily uh, necessities and concerns outside of keeping clean with a preoccupation on getting catching up with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is what's his ideal. He had left the world. had so much and they gave it up. And otherwise, secondly, because it was a Muslim-occupied um, India, and so, by appearing as a fakir or a Sufi, uh, something to that effect, then he wouldn't uh, arguably 
have as much trouble passing through the countryside. But when he arrived in Benares and found his way to the residence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hosted as he was there by Tapan Mishra Chandrasekhar, he told them, Mahaprabhu, I think someone's at the door, a Vaishnava at the door, let him in. <laughs> so they went to the door and they came, but it's not a Vaishnava, it's just a, some Sufi mystic. Mahaprabhu said, bring him in. So he, and he came and Mahaprabhu, to their surprise, embraced him. Hmm. Then told him, please put on a Vaishnava dress, go to, go to Ganga, shave your head, put on a Vaishnava dress. And, and, um, and of course then it was revealed to his associates the, the important exalted position of Sanatan Goswami. So he was uh, had some apprehension that again I'm coming into the affectionate uh, company of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally, and, and for he's thinking for no good reason he showed me such extraordinary affection. If he is to do that by the force of his affection again, it will be offense on my part because my body is is so um, unbecoming. It had open sores and so forth. This is how he thought, and as a result, his uh, his um, resolve was to throw his body underneath the Rothkart, a type of uh, underneath the Roth, a type of Vaishnava uh, suicide. Raghunathas had a similar, not similar, but also a desire for of suicide. He resolved to jump off off of Govardhan Hill. Um, this, in his instance, this instance for Raghunathas, because of Sarup, Damodar had left the world. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had left the world. But of course, when he arrived in in Vrindavan, he met Rup and Sanatan there, and, and then he found another, if you will, Mahaprabhu, another Sarup, and lived on for many years and so forth. But anyway, as an aside, there appears to be a type of Vaishnav suicide that's a, rather a spiritual uh, madness uh, of sorts. And Sanatan was um, thinking that it would be an appropriate um, course for him to take, but Mahaprabhu intervened, exercising his omniscience. He approached him and said, you want to throw your body under the wrath, but I have many things I want to do with that body. And he said, you should know that at the time of Diksha, then you get, your body becomes uh, Chidanandamoy. He's talking about the Sadaka Deha. We have, we're not the body, but we have two bodies. That's, you know, it gets complicated as we go on. So we have a Sadaka Deha. And it's a work in practice. As much as the body is made up of senses, the sixth of which, let's say, or the eleventh of which is the mind, and the sadhaka, life of a sadhaka is to engage those senses in relation to sense objects or for the pleasure of Bhagawan. This is how we deconstruct our present bodily identification, the sense of self that arises out of it and so forth, while simultaneously constructing an internal spiritual body, it will arise the, the um, meditative uh, form uh, out of the engagement in the uh, sadhaka deha. The siddha deha will arise out of the sadhaka deha. That means the sadhaka deha has to be perfected. <laughs> the story I've told before, the fellow got initiated in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and got the mantra and so forth, and, and, he, and he asked his guru, he said, but what about my 
Siddha Rupa, aren't you going to give me that? And then he said, you don't like what I what I gave you so far? <laughs> That's not, I'm giving you a sadhaka deha, something to work with. Hmm? So everybody wants to sit a day, but nobody wants to um, wants a sadhaka day, which takes some, some work. Initiation is is the opportunity to work on that, if you will, to transform the to take the field of activity, to take the mind, for example, with the red atman atmana, atmanam atmana. It's very plainly stated in the Gita. Mind is the friend and the enemy, and it could be the friend too. It's central, right? Um, so, to absorb the sadhaka deha, it's very user friendly in relation to sense objects, but only for the pleasure of Rishikesh. Rishikena Rishikesh Sevadam Bhakti Ruchate. This is that bhakti. Hmm? So he Mahaprabhu instructed Sanatan in this in this way, and um, and so this is the life. We have a body of mind, body, speech to engage it all. These angas of bhakti are there for that, right? Um, it's kind of a catch-all system. You don't necessarily have to perform all the angas, but if you give all your energy to one anga. Some of the angas have sub-angas within them and so forth. So Vandanam, anyway, is one of them, right? Uh, praying, prayer. And there uh, are basic divisions for the prayer. So it's just like you have a, you have sadhaka deha, a practitioner's body, and you have sadhana. So sadhana bhakti means that we engage in bhakti with our senses. That's the active aspect of body. But there's an emotive aspect of bhakti as well. And when we attain bhava bhakti, then the emotive aspect of bhakti is kind of realized, and then the active aspect of body continues, but is now driven by emotion rather than by practice, by observation of others and hearing, and then by some effort on our part. We know that bhakti involves mercy and our responding to it, which is what we call the effort to act in such a way make an effort to attain grace, something like that. So in bhava-bhakti, bhava-bhakti means the, the, the perfection of sadhana-bhakti, right? To attain bhava-bhakti. But in bhava-bhakti, then, the ideal is to attain prem. But bhava-bhakti is, is, is a kind of a perfection. In other words, bhakti proper is manifest now. So, practice is done without... Uh, uh, well, it's not a practice. It's a living, breathing affair, so to speak. So, the idea is, then, right, in sadhana bhakti, how you will pray, it will be different than how you pray in bhava bhakti, how vandanam plays out. Because sadhana bhakti is characterized primarily by the culture of shraddha and its corresponding uh, tangible um, expression of sharanagati. So, Shraddha means faith, Sharanagati means how that faith plays out, hmm? how it expresses itself. It, 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 in itself, Sharanagati is, of course, an anga of bhakti, and very much an emphasis within, say, the Ramanuja Sampradaya, and within Gaudi Sampradaya, very much an emphasis 
on the part of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. But it's where the Gita ends, it's where the Bhagavatam begins. Sarvadharman pritajamamekam sharanam braja. He's saying, have faith in me alone, not any other dharma, not any other gods and goddesses. Hmm? In me ekam, maam ekam, sharanam. Hmm? Shri Krishna sharanam mama. <laughs> As they say in Gujarat. So, <laughs> so, uh, he he. What he's saying to Arjuna there is that have exclusive faith in me. It should be expressed. What is the practical example of that? Well, he's coming from the Varnashram. You remember in the, this is the eighteenth chapter now. And I'm citing in the first chapter. He's arguing on the basis of Varnashram hmm, that um, I have duties to perform and uh, there are responsibilities and concerns and so forth. Um, that um, this war seems to get in the way of. Um, and um, on that basis, he's reasoning that uh, he has cause not to participate in that. And so Krishna begins his discourse. First of all, you're, you're not the body. Uh, this is a, one thing to consider. And then how might you realize that? In the middle of the sixth, second chapter is yoga. This is the means. And he goes on for several chapters to the end of the sixth chapter about yoga, building up to bhakti, then the theology of the Gita in six chapters and so forth. So now we're back, you know, through all that to the eighteenth chapter and it all comes back together. So if you got it, give up the Varnashram Dharma, which involves worshipping many gods hmm, for the many purposes that, that many desires that arise within our bodily identification. How to how to kind of bring those desires in harmony with or in acknowledgement of or recognition of the fact that in order to fulfill them we're dependent, not independent, hmm, in doing so, and some so living a life with some some at least say thank you <laughs> for everything that you get that you want. It's like you tell children, say now say thank you, say thank you. This is Varnashram. Say thank you. Think it's a beginning hmm? idea, hmm? beginning religious idea, right? Hmm? So he, when Krishna wants to take him from there through Gyan all the way to Bhakti Rasa, <laughs> and he asks at the end, "So do you get it? Manmanabhava mad bhakto." This is fo- follows right. Sharanam, it's arvadharman pritajamamekam sharanam. So you give up all the gods. This is what he taught in. Vrindavan, in the Govardhan Leela. This is Sharnagati manifest amongst the Premikas, hmm? amongst his associates. Uh, don't worship any other god, just take shelter of me. I can take care of you with my little finger only. <laughs> they may have many arms and many heads and so forth to take care of one aspect of one ambition provided that, that, that for you that you have with my little finger in my left hand, I can take care of everything. Hmm? So forget it. And this thing, this is, he's resisting or or pushing up, if you will, pushing back against the Indra. Means that the chief of the gods, the god of the gods, who then, of course, afterwards came down and crowned Krishna as Govinda Upendra. This is the name for the god of the gods, right? Bestowed upon him. So this is this is an example of Sharanagati within the Leela. Of course, they're far beyond being Sharanagatas, but. It's not that you become a Sharanagata and then you attain 
bhava and prema and sharanagati is gone, though it continues, it's part, it's in the foundation of that, out of which the, your, your uh, bhava will arise. So, so Krishna says, give up everything. Me alone that means no other gods, no other considerations, um, uh, and do, um, uh, and and he uses the word sharanagati. So then, of course, we unpack that. It's sixfold. The center of which is gopritvevaranam tata. Gopritvevaranam tata. That Krishna is my maintainer. There's six aspects of uh, sharanagati and five moods that that um, correspond with it. So, sankalpa, what is it? Um, Pratikul, anukul. So this is one, right? Acceptance and rejectance. Uh, accept what's favorable, reject what's unfavorable. The mood behind it is pratigya, a vow, a promise. I have a commitment here. I will, I will, this Sharanagati, I will give up what is not favorable to bhakti. I will accept what is favorable to bhakti. And by this, I will create a new standard, a new new duality, a transcendental duality, hmm? which will take me beyond the false duality of goods and bads that arise out of my mind and my senses. Krishna says that you should tolerate, that's illusion, good, bad, happy, sad. For you it's sad, for me it's happy, for you it's hot, for me it's cold. Which is it? It's all arising, a judgment placed on the environment by the mind hmm, in accordance with the reading derived from the senses, which is a very limited reading of the nature of what's out there, if you will. Hmm. And that unto themselves, they give us a reading of what's out there, the senses, that obscures what's in there, <laughs> doing the observing, right? So it's a problem. <laughs> so at any rate, these, this duality, we like certain things that are pleasing to our mind and senses. We avoid things that aren't. Now we have a new standard. Hmm? If it's pleasing to Krishna's senses, even if it's not pleasing to mine, I accept it. If it's not pleasing for bhakti to, or for, to, to Krishna, hmm? but it's, um, if it's, ple- <laughs> anyway, get my point. If it's pleasing to your senses, but it's not pleasing to Krishna, you give it up. If it's not pleasing to your senses, but it's pleasing to Krishna, then you do it. So, you know, in a simple sense, it's if you if you if you if you, if you um, come to Mangalartik, it's pleasing for Krishna's uh, to Krishna's senses. So, it might not be good pleasing to your your senses, but so you have a new standard now, right? Of what a, of good and bad and happy and sad and so forth. That is. It constitutes not reading the world through the um, kind of the the hole in the fence that you're looking through, trying to with the limitations of the senses to get a reading on it, hmm? and feed the information to the mind and make determinations. You have a whole larger view now, right? So to step into that, so we make some commitment, right? This is the mood behind. I will accept what's favorable. I will reject what's unfavorable. I will accept uh, Krishna as my uh, uh, maintainer. So, uh, this is kind of the Sruplaksham, the central characteristic of Sharanagati. Krishna will maintain me. So, it's a, the move behind it is, is, is like that dependence. Gopritvevaranamtata, Rakshikshati Vishvas, for Vishvas, 
So Vishvas means like, like, like a kind of confidence. Hmm? The confidence. There is dependence and confidence. Dependence, Krishna will make, he's my maintainer, I depend on him. And confidence that if there's obstacles that arise, that I will turn to him, he will protect me. Hmm? So, self-resignation and and humility. This is a sixfold expression of Sharanagati, which is which is an expression of or evidence of faith. So this faith is is a very tangible thing. Hmm? It removes doubt, and as a result, enables one to proceed. So, faith precedes action. In its presence, uh, enables us to move freely. Suspicion uh, leads to suspension. Right. So we have to hear, hear, and this will with proper sambandhyan. This will help to grow our faith. This is very much part of sadhana bhakti. Hmm? You have to uh, you have to cultivate the knowledge of bhakti. Who is Bhagawan? Hmm? What is the field of activity? What is the knower of the field? What is the relationship? So forth. So many things. Hmm? That sambandha gyan, therefore we call faith shraddha, we, we say it is shastriya shraddha. Hmm? Faith in the argument of, the, of revelation. Hmm? Wherein, or in relation to which, or through which, we can know about things that we could otherwise not know. This is its excellence. That by which we can know things that are beyond the can of our intellectual, mental, and physical exercise, and in relation to whom, to which that kind of knowledge, we can use our mind, intelligence, and tax them, and body, to know beyond the theoretical knowing that comes from hearing and being informed, what you see will foster our the action that is bhakti in the stage of practicing. When that becomes mature, then the sambandha jnana is realized. Right? And then then your abhide, your practice is fully informed. Now in sadhana, it's informed theoretically. When you graduate from sadhana, then it'd be fully, fully informed. Hmm? Then you can, then your, then your bhakti will be much more powerful in bhava bhakti, right? If you're theoretically informed, the more you're theoretically informed, well, arguably you're in a better position to practice. When that theory becomes realized, then how much more you're in a, in a, in a position to, to practice. So it's almost like, that's why bhava bhakti is almost like not practicing. Although there's something to be done, cultivation of the bhava, churning it into prem. So, at any rate, my point is that in sadhana bhakti and bhava bhakti, how the angas will play out of bhakti will be somewhat different. We're talking about mandanam, prayer. So in prayer, in sadhana bhakti, the prayers will be largely um, consist of a um, kind of, what would you, how would you just call it, a supplication and a culture of Sharanagati, hmm? submission, uh, a prayer for increasing your faith, your understanding, um, to erect, if you will, the theoretical, the, th- the theatrical stage of Sharanagati in your heart that 
the that it might be a suitable theater on which uh, to which the, uh, the the leela, the drama of Krishna will be appearing soon in a theater near you, right right here, right in your heart. So you know you have to have some good understanding of the goal and where you're at. And then you can apply yourself to these angas of bhakti appropriately. So again, there's a way to apply yourself in sadhana bhakti in relation to the angas, and there may be some difference. This is a good example, vandanam in bhava bhakti. So sharanagati then, or sadhana bhakti, I should say, is characterized by surrender, submission, and this kind of culture, more of a deconstructing hmm, of the enjoying ego. Hmm, and in the context of that, a very powerful way of doing that, we deconstruct the enjoying ego by constructing a basic service ego. This is very powerful. People want to deconstruct the ego, which is an, which is an enjoying, and I mean an exploiting ego, a taking ego. Because it's, it arises out of, out of a sense of self that is needy. And... Um, so, off to work we go, and we are on the take to support it, right? So it's not, it's, uns, it's unsustainable. If you want to talk about sustainable living, you come to the right place. It's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable affair. Um, so, so in Sanada Bhakti, so so some people, some schools, transcendentalists. Well, all transcendental schools want to deconstruct the ego. Hmm? But the ego is an, an enjoying ego. It's a taking ego. That's what, it, what it's at, at its heart, right? Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur once defined humility as absence of the enjoying spirit. Hmm? You look at a thing, without thinking that I'm looking at a thing, but we, we, we look at a thing, and and as... If it what it as to its utilization in relation to what I think I am, hmm? when I think I am this body, mind, biological, psychological construct, then then I see that thing only in relation to that, and I don't see the thing for what it is. Hmm? I don't allow it to have a life of its own, if you will. Hmm? I mean, we know this psychologically too. You want to have a relationship and you feel needy. You're not in a good position to have a relationship because you're only looking at people to fulfill your needs. You're not seeing them for who they are. And they're going to feel cheated, if you will, or used, though that wasn't overtly your intention. So... So anyway, in sadhana bhakti, the idea is to, is to deconstruct, and, and while other transcendentalists, schools of transcendentalists, who are ego-effacing schools, I should say, also talk about deconstructing the ego, if you look at it at its core, again, it's an enjoying ego, and so if you are to deconstruct it, a positive and very powerful way is to, is to, is to do so in the context of Cultivating a serving ego. Hmm. This, 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 the nice example I really like of Bhagavatam is Uddhava, Krishna's uh, advisor in the 11th canto, who makes a statement that 
wearing the vestments of the, the, the hand-me-downs of Krishna, Prince Krishna in Dwarka, he said, this is our renunciation. It's kind of like this, you know. This is our renunciation. We wear him as a king's clothes. That's, you know, you have these naked sages, right, dressing in ashes and uh, sitting next to the fire in the summer heat uh, uh, at noon or uh, emerging, submerging themselves up to the neck in the month of Magh, in the... In the, in the, in the Ganga, in, 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 in Himalayas, something like that. These are renunciates. And Uddha was saying, well, we just wear the hand-me-downs of Krishna. You see? <laughs> and it's like, what? Are you calling that wearing a king's clothes, a prince's attire, and eating fancy dishes like halva and pakora and so forth. This is renunciation. Look at it, the, at it at the core. It, it's, it's a very powerful form of renunciation because hmm, the ego, as I say, this material ego is an enjoying ego. So we, if we try to stop taking, hmm, but in the context of stopping from taking, we don't want to do anything either. Hmm? We want to sit idle. And the world is calling on us, forcing us to work. We've plugged in, we've taken from it. Now it's coming after us and asking its you know payment back, right? So we're stuck, we're working, and now we want to get a, you want to get some time off, you want vacation, permanent rest, right? Hmm. That's that's one thing. Fine, you want you want to you want to stop taking, so you can practice stopping from taking, hmm. or you could practice giving, hmm. which. Is so is much more powerful. If I want to take all of my desires and put them in a hole and cover the hole up, that's one thing. But they might just surface again, right? Might they roots that there they might grow up again. But if I build a temple on top of it and do kirtan, it's not going to come up again. Something like that. So the best defense is a good offense. Right? This is the idea of um, bhakti. And it's very user-friendly. You can wear the clothes of Krishna. <laughs> you don't have to go naked in the winter. Hmm? Uh, but you understand, it. it's one thing to want to not stop taking. It's another thing to do somebody else's bidding. Oh, I don't want to do that. I just got out of that. Right? I was doing the bidding of my mind and senses, slaving in the world. Everybody wants freedom. Everybody's living for a vacation. They want mukti. And we are prescribing slavery. <laughs> it's not going to be that popular. But it has to be properly understood, right? Slavery for who, right? And service to who? If you, if you are a taker, let's say, but you uh, understand that what you're about to take, it belongs to somebody else. If you're shopping, waiting in line to pay the cashier and then the person in front of you drops a $20 bill on the floor, you could step on it and then have to tie your shoe. Uh, you know, But you know it belongs to the person and you know maybe some other people know it belongs to him too and they've seen that so the tendency to take it from oneself is diminished by knowing to whom it actually belongs. So bringing the, the owner, if you will, into the picture, hmm, Krishna, then the tendency to, to be a taker is diminished. And the austerity involved 
in wearing Krishna's clothes is much greater than going naked, in, in my example. Because in taking wearing Krishna's clothes, you have to be a servant. Hmm? You have, <laughs> there's no rest. There's no rest. Hmm? That's what we want. We want rest. I mean, this is the material life. We plug in, we want to enjoy, and we want to get a break from it, from it because it's not, it doesn't work out. It doesn't, there's no real pay in it. There's no full meal. It's only an appetizer, and we end up getting indigestion, so we decide to fast for a while. So this is mukti, mukti. You have two sides, what is it? Mukti, um, bogtyag. Two sides of the same coin. Gyan and karma. They're, they're material. They're governed by the Rajagun, by the, by the Sattvagun and Rajagun, respectively, as we were talking about the other night, the nature of bhakti. It is Nirgun. Only from that side, if we get help and permission and the visa, can we go there. Even if you have a passport, hmm? even if you've got the passport and you're a Jeevan Mukta, and the karma's done, they've got no hold on me now, I'm free to go, but without an invitation from that side. <laughs> There's no going there. You can hover, but you can't go there. You can't land there. Hmm? Problem. Hmm. So, in sadhana bhakti, it's very, very powerful um, in this way. It's a cultivation of the basis of what your rati will be. You know, you have a bhava rati corresponding with the, with your uh, sadhusanga, sakya rati, madhurya rati. But the basis of these rati, these bhavas, is service. They're all serving Hmm. Egos. I mean, they 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 express themselves in ways that that are so extraordinary that they start to look like not serving. And Krishna's friends are wrestling him to the ground and making him carry them on their shoulders. And Radharani's not allowing him in the in the kunja and so forth. But we have to you know look underneath and see what what that the serving. This is arising out of the serving ego. So you have the ideal, but we have to understand that the ideal and the opportunity, the window of opportunity that's been offered to me through sadhusanga, as beautiful and charming as it is, it arises out of the serving ego, which is involving deconstructing the enjoying ego. So this is what sadhana's about, right? So therefore the prayers, the vandanam in sadhana bhakti will be supplication with a view to, to increase my faith, my sharanagati, it's kind of an effort, as I say, to erect this theatrical stage on which the drama of Krishna Lila will be performed. Hmm? Okay. So, meanwhile, the prayers in Bhava Bhakti, Bhava Bhakti is not characterized by submission, but by lolasa, by longing. Hmm? By longing. Hmm? So, the longing prayers will be different than the submission prayers. Now, that said, there's some overlapping in these. Obviously, there's some longing in sadhana also. Hmm? And, of course, in Baba, Sharanagati is, in, is complete. Hmm? Um, but there will be prayers of, of great souls, of a, of a Sharanagati nature, and of a Baba nature, if you will. Um, they have kind of shown the way for us. You can find prayers of Bhakti Vinodhanartam Thakur Goswami as well, as well that are more appropriate for sadhana bhakti than they are for for bhava bhakti. 
Bhakti Siddhanta was of the Saraswati Thakur's of the opinion first deserve, then desire. Hmm. So if you come to me and you say, I want to go to, you know, India, I'm going to say, oh, okay, have you have a ticket? No. Do you have a passport? No. Then you don't have a visa. Do you have a job? No. So I say, okay, I'm going to instruct you how to go to India. Go get a job. What are you talking about? I want to go to India. You guys have to go get a job. <laughs> somebody says, I, I want a mango. Could you give me a mango? I say, I could, yeah. So then I, I said, but I, uh, I, I'll give you this dried up, hard thing. It's a seed, right? Take this, now dig a hole. Put it in the ground. Water it. Whatever grows up around it, pull that out for a few years. Hmm. So I've, I've seen people eat mangoes. They're juicy. They're dripping. And, and, so, and you're giving me a, telling me to dig a hole. They're up there. They're not down in the hole. Right? So, now we should, no, yeah, they're juicy, but you have to, <laughs> you have to dig a hole. You have to plant it. You have to harvest it and so forth and so on. So, so we can take prayers of, of the charges that are, um, relative to sadhana bhakti, they will resonate with us probably more than the prayers of longing for bhava. Hmm? And as the sharanagatis in place, and as you're sincere about that, then some longing will also be appropriate, even in the higher stages of sadhana bhakti, of course. Ruchi, asakti, these higher stages of nishta, even higher stages of bhakti, some longing will start to come in that direction. Hmm? And Baba Bhakti is just, that's it's all about the long. Still some Baba Bhaktas have made prayers for our sake about Sharanagati and so forth. So this is one way to think about it, right? As far as the powerful prayers given in Bhagavatam by uh, the paradigmatic figures there, Prahlad, um, Mahadev, uh, um, Ambarish, and so forth, uh, or in our canon, uh, the Gaudiya canon, Rupa Goswami, Vrindavan uh, Dastakur, Krishna Das Kaviraj, and so on and so forth. Um, and these prayers have special power to them because they really are coming from the other side, uh, which is an experience that is beyond words and thought, but they're trying to put it into words as best they can, and those words have power. Hmm? Our ideal in transcendence transcends whatever's been written in any book. It's whatever's been written in any, in any book and much more than that. What's been written in the book is kind of like a table of contents or an outline, something like that, because the, the, it cannot be contained in speech. It cannot be con contained in thought. But the thoughts about it and the speech about it that comes from the experience of it, those words, those thoughts are, are, are bursting with... Uh, with 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 the experience of it coming from sadhus, right? So they're very powerful. And we know that they're fully pleasing to Bhagawan. So to commit to prayers, prayers prayers about devotees. Like Sad Goswami Astakam, about the six Goswami Srinivasa charges. It's one of the prayers I the first prayer I wanted to commit to learning, I thought I gotta get this one down. That was uh Many years ago, <laughs> and I uh, was in the, in the Santa Cruz Mountains at that time, and the San Kirtan party had come and picked me up. 
right from out from LA to uh, to uh, to join with them and so forth. Long story, of course, we all have our stories, but. And there were all these things. I didn't go to school or anything, so I didn't have an education. I thought, I'm going to learn all these things. I, mean, I really like this idea, but, but I thought, this one, i got to learn this one somehow or other. And that was the uh, Guru Vastakam, Vishwanachapritaka. i got to learn this prayer. That's what it's all about, I thought. Uh, I got that right. <laughs> so I had some Gurnishta, you know, in the beginning. I was fortunate. Um, so... You know, and we have some of these prayers that we that we readily sing. So those are those are powerful, and, and, uh, and our students should 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 learn them. And then, in the course of your reading and hearing, then certain prayers will 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 stick out to you, and they will resonate with you. And you have some way of thinking about them in general, as I've said, and you can commit to them to to memory and invoke them and so forth. This is one of them. As far as composing prayers of ours of our own, which you asked about. Yeah, there's a tip, particular tip. There's a typical kind of formula to that. You, it, it, in a formal sense, you glorify the person, the guru, the the god, um, the goddess Radha, Krishna, Ram, uh, that you are uh, approaching, saying something, and then you have to draw from the sacred text. It's accurate when you glorify. Bhagwan or the Guru or the Sadhu, you want to make your glorification accurate. Hmm? In the name of, there, there, there could be an over-glorification, it's possible, hmm? where you, you over, let's say you over-glorify the Guru and without really understanding his or her contribution in time and place and circumstance, which are extraordinary and Wonderful and so forth. You try to make the guru somebody who whose whose contribution, um, for example, uh, let's say, uh, overshadows every other contribution that has ever come before, and overshadows any contribution that will ever come in the future. Hmm? This kind of a glorification it seems like a nice sentiment, but it but it, it's actually not accurate. Hmm? And um, and it, it's not in consideration of time and the place and the particular empowerment of, of that guru. And each one, Rupa Goswami has his contribution. Sanatan Goswami has. I was met with a lady the other day who, when we were in Hillsborough. Came to see me and said, "You know, I really like hearing from you. My guru is a little different. He has some different thing, but I really like to hear from you too." And I said, "Well." I said, it's okay, you know. Rupa and Sanatana, they had some differences too. Baladev and Vishnu, some place within the parameters of what is actually bhakti. So if you look at the Nityananapu, had his contribution. He didn't write any books. Is there something wrong with him? Rupa <laughs> Goswami wrote, Jiva Goswami was the most prolific writer. And he considered himself like a fig at, you know, at, uh, at the feet of, of Nityananapu. He didn't write any books. But anyway, so everybody has their unique contribution. My Guru Maharaj has his contribution too. So to, for example, to glorify him accurately in terms of what he did, I mean, he did what he did and who he is, just taking what he actually did, you can really make a beautiful and compelling glorification year after year, um, month after month, week after week, day after day, hour by hour, minute to minute. Hmm? 
Um, but to then, what do I say? Overglorify. You find examples of this. Let's take um, what is his name? From um, Gujarat. Um, it's another Hindu uh, group. They made a movie about him. Um, hmm? Swami Narayan. So Swami Narayan, he was a Vaishnav. He worshipped Radha and Krishna. But they've over-glorified him. Now he's become Krishna. That's a pretty gross way of over-glorifying him. Right? Now he's become Krishna. So what more could you say? My guru is God. It sounds like pretty big glorification, but it might not be very pleasing to his lotus ears. <laughs> so... So, you know, if in the name of glorification of our guru, we are minimizing, criticizing even others, how pleasing will that be? So, so it's 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 um, you want your glorification when you begin a prayer to be accurate, so you draw from what you've heard. You, know, you offer your prayer to Nandanandan Krishna. You're like this. You're surrounded by these devotees. If you mention, you know, his devotees in relation to him, then you're going to get his ear. We see how Prabhupada prayed to Krishna. That is a very special prayer. Oh, go, my dear friend Krishna. I've heard that, <laughs> I didn't say I've heard it, but it's, it's a fact that if Radharani is pleased with you, then your life is going to be successful. This, what? This is what? You know that. I'm listening. Yes. So I'd like to make a request from you. That my Guru Maharaj, he is representative of Radharani's group, hmm? one of her maidservants, and she has asked me to go to the Western world and preach Gorani, the words of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I think that if you give me the power to do that, then Radharani will be pleased with you and your life will be successful. <laughs> So in that we find it's of course this is a very rustic prayer, but he's he's glorifying Krishna in a way, hmm? right? He's, he of course is calling this my friend, my dear friend, um, a piece of, piece of advice, if you will, um, that that uh, your life is is tied to the pleasure of Radharani. Hmm? I mean, you couldn't say anything more accurate about Krishna than that. This is, uh, I remember when I was in Vrindavan years ago and, and I met Chaitanya Goswami from the uh, Radharaman Goswami family. We were talking and he, said, he was just a boy when he met Prabhupada. He said, and when I met him, I said, I got the opportunity to talk with him. And I said, Swamiji, he said, what is the, what is the, the, the best way to please Krishna? Hmm? And Swamiji said, to please Radha. And he said, oh yes, then I knew he was... He was bona fide. It's, it's like we knew that, but oh yeah, right, right, that's right, that's Gaudiya Vaishnavism, that's what Krishna's about. Hmm? So Prabhupada was accurately talking about Krishna in, in that sense. And then, of course, he made his request, and obviously, Krishna, he had Krishna's ear. Hmm? And Krishna gave him power, the power of, the power of Nithai, Nityananda, he should do the work that he did, hmm? in no uncertain terms. We're all sitting here because Prabhupada's prayer worked. 
something like that. So we're living on that uh, reciprocation. So, so anyway, the, your prayer will have to be first an accurate glorification of Krishna, then an accurate description of yourself without being neurotic. Hmm. Yeah. And my position is, I'm like this. My position is, I'm a servant of Bhaktivedanta, Swami, Tripurari, your servant, so you, and I'm trying to observe him, something, something like this, how I pray to Krishna. I'm a servant of Bhaktivedanta, Swami, your friend, so please consider like this, uh, how I may, for example, please him. Hmm? So you, you anyway, you glorify Krishna, then you state your own position, and then you make a request. That's how you do, do prayers. In a formal way. Otherwise, you just say, "Oh, Krishna, please help me." <laughs> That's another way, right? Something like that. So, in the heart of it all, is, is your sincerity, your appeal, even if you get the words wrong, or and that if it, if the sincerity is in the, in the right place, then proper understanding will come to you. And your question is an example of your your sincerity. So now you have some some knowledge how to proceed with that. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Prayer. It's a very powerful prayer because when you pray, you can't think about anything else. So you can try it. Right? You want to think about Krishna, then pray because it's hard to pray and think about something else at the same time. Try it. <laughs> and when you pray, also, when you humble yourself to pray, generally, what will happen? If anything else comes to your mind, it's, it will be the things that you, that you wish weren't in your life. Here I'm going to come and pray, but what is my position to pray? I have these so many desires, and I feel a little embarrassed. They'll surface, so they, the, the the downside kind of shows itself, which is useful to us. It's kind of a bearing, isn't it, of the of the soul, the prayer. So. There's form to it and there's a spirit to it. We talked a little bit about both. Let's conclude with the spirit of it. What is the time? Uh, 7.35, 7.35. Okay. Very nice to be with you all tonight. We'll stop there. Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai. Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Vidanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Rakshak Shri Dev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsri Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Vinod Paribar ki jai, Kaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Kaur Premanande. Vanchakal Patarubhyas Chakrita Sindhubhye Vachya Patitanam Pabhani Bhavashnabhimana Munamana. Ananta Kaur Bhavashnabhimana ki jai.